So with all of that said, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. We're going to get right into the scriptures. Father, as we come uh, now to your word, standing in your presence, lifting up our voices, singing, um, praying, uh, expressing our concern and love for one another, uh, for our body spread across the world. Lord, as we remember, um, actively remember your body and your blood given for us, um, a, a living and real memory. Lord, as we now come to your word, which is a living and real word that your spirit um, speaks through and conforms us to your son through it. Lord, we ask that you would uh, direct our hearts and minds. We've dealt with plenty of distractions today. Uh, Lord, help us now to be focused um, and to hear from you, to hear from your word, to hear from your spirit, um, that we might be transformed as your church uh, to walk um, always in the newness of of the life that you give us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I started a series last week um, on rest, and we're going we're gonna to get right into the topic of rest today. Last week we talked about Genesis, why does God rest in Genesis chapter 2? Um, God clearly did not need a nap, although most of us generally do, um, but uh, needing a nap and getting one are two very different things for adults, yes. Um, but uh, we are, so we're coming out of that and we're going to start looking at the Sabbath. Um, and I mentioned last week that, that the, the Hebrew word Sabbath, um, the Hebrew word for seven, which is where we get Sabbath from, is actually from their word for rest. And the way that the week works in Hebrew is there are six days and one, not seven days with the last day being a day of rest. It's six days of work, one day of rest. The week is actually the six, and then the one is separate. That's how their math works. That's how their, um, their Babylonian math is base six. And some of the people that heard that, some of the math guys that love math were like, ooh, base six, we know about base six, and started scribbling math. Um, and doing that. You ever wonder how the Romans did long division? Says so this has nothing to do with Babylon, but you ever think about doing long division in Roman numerals? Um, you know, just just an interesting question to consider along the way. It has nothing to do with the message whatsoever. So the Sabbath, um, the seven, the day, um, is part of uh, the Torah, um, and the 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 commandments of God. All right. And when we hear the word Torah, if you've been in, in, uh, in church for any amount of time, uh, usually Torah is meant to be a translation of what word? What word do we, what, what is the word we translate Torah as in English today? Law. Um, and Torah really does not mean law. Uh, and that, that's an unfortunate translation that happened because in Greek it's translated as, as nomos, which is, which is law. Um, but Torah does not really mean law in the way that we think of law. We think of law as the things that the police enforce. We think of law as the things that, in theory in this country, Congress passes. Um, we, 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 think of law, we think of law as rules and restrictions. I mean, and all of us have different relationships with the law. Uh, some of us have discovered that we were breaking laws without knowing them knowing we were breaking them. Others of us know the laws that we're breaking and just don't care. Um, 
Because, uh, and I think it was Napoleon, and I could be wrong, but somebody sometime, one time said, when the government makes, uh, makes uh, laws that no common man can know, he makes criminals of all men. Um, and, and it, you know, there are laws about everything. Uh, a few months ago, I had to look up the law of what the actual public right-of-way is on a road um, in the state of New Hampshire. Um, and, and, and I did it just for my own curiosity because, because of eminent domain and building roads and all those kind of things that are going on. Not that I build roads. I, was just, it was just, I just have a brain that seeks out useless information. Um, so, so there's all these different laws. And so we think of law, in many ways, we think of law as something that a government passes and its rules and obligations. Torah actually comes from the word instruction, um, the idea of instruction or teaching. Um, and so Torah is not so much, um, although there are things in Torah that says you shouldn't do, it is more instruction on how to know God. Um, and it serves a very specific purpose within the Bible. And one of the big pieces of Torah, one big pieces of the law, um, of the instruction, is the Ten Commandments. And one of the big Ten Commandments is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's the only one of the Ten Commandments, by the way, that Jesus does not repeat in the New Testament, and which has led to all kinds of conversations. And there's all kinds of uh, debate about what the Sabbath is. Um, early American theologians, the, the, the Puritans and the Presbyterians and the Methodists and all of those early American groups, um, considered Sunday the Sabbath day, that Sunday was a day. And how many of you remember growing up in New England and dealing with blue laws? All right, some of you remember what a blue, how many of you know what a blue law is? All right, good. All right, um, I mean, I remember being a kid and trying to figure out why you couldn't go to the store on Sunday afternoon. Um, uh, and uh, my, now my dad, for the longest told me time, just told me because Sunday afternoons were for naps. That was, um, but, but the, you know, this whole, uh, this whole, uh, he was actually watching football, but he told us we was taking a nap. Um, but the, this whole idea of the blue laws, that, that came from the idea that, that this Christian Sabbath was supposed to be Sunday. Um, and so that was the day that you were supposed to rest. You were supposed to do Sabbath. Um, of course, if you're in, in a Jewish background, you know that the Sabbath is actually dusk of Friday night uh, to dusk of Saturday, um, that, that it's, it's a different thing, and that's actually what the, the Hebrews did. Uh, they didn't call it Friday, um, but, the, but they had this idea of the Sabbath. So I want to share with you a few things about Israel and the Sabbath this morning. This series is not about challenging you to do anything specific, but rather to give you some background and some thoughts about what the Bible has to say with rest. And so I'm going to be jumping around the Bible a little bit. Um, you're welcome to join me. Uh, Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. We're going to start there in verse 25. Uh, this is talking about the people of Israel were being given, they were being provided for. God was providing them manna, bread uh, that was falling uh, every morning. Um, manna is literally the Hebrew word for what is this. Um, and uh, in verse 27, on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather the manna, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? 
See, the Lord has given you this Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now, um, the Ten Commandments, where we get the command to remember the Sabbath day, is in Exodus chapter 20. So here we have the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 16, and although I'm not great at math, I know that 16 comes before 20, observing the Sabbath before they were commanded to observe the Sabbath. Now this tells me something about what Sabbath is. That Sabbath is not a, a um, piece of a law it's not a piece of the rules that if we follow them, we're good people, but rather that Sabbath is something that God has built into the rhythms of creation that we are called to remember. It predates the Torah. It predates the commands. And so when we talk about Sabbath, when we talk about observing rest, when we talk about all of the things that we're going to talk about in this series, I remember that this is an instruction. So it's an instruction that predates the Torah. So what does that mean for our relationship with God through the Sabbath? Uh, there's a second thing I want you to see. Um, and you don't have to go to all of these places. Uh, I'm going to give you a bunch of references, but I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 13. Uh, uh, 31, Exodus chapter 31, um, which is part of, again, still the same book. This is Torah, this is instruction. And uh, Exodus 31 and verse 12, the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and, and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. All right, my plural for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you, and everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Now, um, the early Puritans took that very seriously, that line right there, um, and violating the Sabbath was a severely punished crime in early New England. Um, they didn't kill people for doing it, um, but they did have the threat of death for repeatedly not observing the Sunday rest. Um, we don't do that. Anyway, um, so there are many Sabbaths in the Bible, uh, so it's not just the six and one. And we tend to think of Sabbath, all right, so we, oh, the Sabbath, that, that's that one day of the week. Uh, and Sabbath is uh, a day, six days and one. All right, that's that's very clearly in Scripture. But it's also there are a number of festivals. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 22, uh, there it deals with festivals that are declared to be a Sabbath, to be a rest. Um, and again, rest, Sabbath, seven, all the same word in Hebrew. Um, then there are weeks that are Sabbaths. Uh, you can look in Leviticus chapter 23, you encounter whole weeks that are Sabbaths. So you would have uh, several days and several weeks and then a Sabbath week. And then there are also in Leviticus chapter 25, years that are Sabbaths. An entire, just, all right, moms and dads, think about this for a second. An entire year of rest. 
It's unimaginable. It's ineffable. I, I, just the idea of an entire year of rest. But, but the scriptures actually command that, that uh, there be Sabbath year rest, that the land be rested one year out of seven. Um, at six years it's worked and one year has a year off. Now, we know scientifically, we know now that one of the things that happens to land is if you farm it constantly every single year without adding fertilizer, without revitalizing the fuel, without rotating crops, if you just do that, you deplete the land's ability to grow things. It's one of the reasons, I'm, I'm history nerding, but it's one of the reasons that led to um, the boom in slave traffic in the South that ultimately led to the Civil War, is that they were not resting the land that they were growing cotton on, so the, co- the land was yielding less cotton, so you needed more land, which meant you needed more slaves. All right? And that, that was part of the problem that was going on in the South. It's part of the reason. Of, it's part of the problem that part of what actually fueled the the the, the uh, Irish potato famine. Um, now the potato famine was caused by a fungus that killed the potatoes, but the land was so depleted in Ireland that they couldn't grow anything but potatoes. Um, and uh, and so there was all these things that happen if you don't rest the land. Now today. Our farms can be farmed all the time because we have scientific fertilizers and we figured out chemical exchanges and all of this stuff. Um, but this is, this is the reality of the world. Um, in those days, it was give the land a year's rest. Now, think about what's required of you in order to give your uh, agricultural land one year in seven off. What is that going to require of the farmers? What? You've got to put aside food. You also, I mean, if, if you're smart, you, you work it out so that not everybody's taking the same year off. Right? You know, you, you want to make sure there's, there's somebody producing something. Um, and the rules don't say everybody takes the same seven years off. It just says that it has to have a rest every seven years. Um, and then... Uh, you know, there's all this stuff that's going on about the Sabbath, right? So just to summarize, so the Sabbath comes before the law, so it's a part of the rhythm of creation before God gives the commands. But in the law, in the commandments, in Torah, it's not just one day in seven, but it's one day in seven, it's, it's weeks. Um, it's not every sixth, seventh week. It's not, like, it's not like that, but there are Sabbaths. Everybody's like, so six weeks on, one week off, that's a great work schedule. Um, you know, uh, and I don't know if I don't know if we modern humans can handle that. How many of you've ever had to do a three-day work week, like the the three 15-hour days? Is anybody three 12-hour days? Aren't those fun? When you like you you're like, what day of the week is it now? Um, or or those of you that had to work night shift. I went from working a three to three to midnight night shift at a job before I was a pastor to working the six to two, six a.m. to two a.m. It entirely imploded my world. I had no, I, I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know, you know, half the time I would wake up going, should I be at work today or at church? I should really decide which one. Um, so, so, I mean, this idea of this rest and all of these things that are happening. So what, what is this really about? Because God didn't have to build the world with this in it. God didn't have to build creation so that it requires rest. He didn't have to build you to require 
rest. Now, some of us believe that we are built not to require rest, and I'm one of those people. All right? I am one of those people who tries to go full speed all the time from the moment I wake up to the moment that I, I crash on the, on the couch and get dragged to my bed. I try to go all day long. I mean, just nonstop, more caffeine, keep trucking. Um, you know, and the older I get, the more I realize how stupid I was. I don't get wiser. I just realize how much stupider I was. Um, and and we, we discover that we, we have built into us this need for rest. But why? Why is it built into us? If we go to the other side of Israel's history and we go to the book of Ezekiel, which will make Noel happy, because Noel loves the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 11. This is God speaking through his prophet. Ezekiel 20, 11, I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules by which if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules by which if a person does them, he shall live. And my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. What does Ezekiel, what does God say in Ezekiel is the purpose of the Sabbath? It's a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. God didn't have to build into us the need for rest. He did it so that we could know him. There are two verbs that are used in the Old Testament about the Sabbath that are incredibly important in us understanding what our role in them is. The the first one um, appears in Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And that is the the Hebrew word to remember, um, which is zakar. Zakar, that should be, zakar is in the parking lot. Um, uh, It's a French car, um, but... Uh, <laughs> thank you for getting that joke. I appreciate it, especially after that last one that that Ray dropped on us in communion. That was rough. Um, but the but the um, this zakar the idea of remembrance and this ties into you know communion and all of those things. But the Hebrew idea of remembrance in the cultural milieu of 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 the world of the Bible to remember someone or something, was not to just have it in your memory book or in your photo album and, uh, oh, remember so-and-so. But memory is an active process of keeping something alive. Now, in ancient Egypt, which was my first, um, kind of my first world of history nerdism, um, in ancient Egypt, have you ever thought about why Egypt did so much engraving into stone. Did you ever think about that? 
Now, part of it is because, you know, Egypt is a desert. Um, and, but uh, why engrave so much into stone? Why embalm those bodies? Why was it so important that everybody had to be decorated in such a way? And, and their names are marked off by these, these round things that we today call the cartouche um, that recognize this is a name. Why is it so important? And why, when, when you wanted to get rid of the memory of someone, you wanted everybody to forget about someone, you, you would destroy those cartouches. You would have them scraped off the rock. They did it to a, a king named Amenhotep IV, who ruled as a guy named Akhenaten. Um, they did it to the most famous pharaoh of all time, uh, Tutankhamun. Um, they, they eliminated his name. Why was that so important? Why was it so important that his, his burial site, if you read about Tutankhamun's burial site, it was actually uh, it was buried under rubble and all kinds of stuff it was impossible to get to. That was why the grave robbers didn't get to it. Because if you don't know this about the Egyptians, this has nothing to do with the sermon. You know everybody talks about Egypt, oh, the gold, and oh, it was amazing, and they filled the pyramid with all these riches. What no one ever mentions is that there was always a back door to these tombs. So they would have this big, huge funerary thing and the, the kings would shove all their stuff in there and, oh, he's been buried with all his wealth. And there was a back door and the priests would go in and take all that stuff out and recycle it. It, it, was, it never stayed there. So it was always being reused. I mean, if you think about the sheer volume of what was being used in their burial sites, it's not possible that it was new every single time. It would have, you know... Anyway, that's a history nerd thing. But why was it so important that they destroyed these, this name, eliminated their names, deleted the name of Akhenaten? They raised his capital to the ground so that nobody could find it. They covered his face. The only statues we have of him are ones that were, were people weren't able to get to. Because in their world, if, if someone's name was forgotten, that person ceased to exist. They were gone forever. They were unclaimable. They, were, they, they could be completely obliterated, not just from uh, like past memory, but all memory. I think, by the way, this is the reason that the ancient Hebrews do not appear in the Egyptian historical record. They wanted the, the Israelites forgotten. They didn't want them remembered. So they're not going to record events that they don't want recorded. The winner writes history, and the Egyptians were very creative with their history. Um, but, but to eliminate somebody's name, to make it so that there is no person alive who knows them, was to make it to cease to be. And for the Hebrews, the Sabbath must always be remembered. There must be an active memory because the Sabbath is how God has revealed himself that we might know him. And so we must never forget. We must always actively remember the Sabbath. Not because the Sabbath itself is some kind of sanctified holy thing, but because the Lord, who we know through the Sabbath, sanctifies us. So the Sabbath is not about the Sabbath. The rest is not about the rest. The rest is about the one who calls us to rest, the one who created us to rest. It is a sacred trust that we are called to actively remember. There's another word, uh, shamar, 
go to the, you get in the car and go to Shemarket. All right. Shamar, which means to, listen. <laughs> I got seven languages knocking around inside my head and I'm functionally illiterate in all of them. So I've got to remember something. Shamar means to guard or to keep, to guard or to keep. Let me ask you a question. What do you guard? What do you guard? Things that are important. Come around April, right? How many of you guys had a lock and key on the rolls of toilet paper in your house? I still have a secret bottle of Lysol I pull out every once in a while. I'm rationing it. It'll last me until 2022 if I'm careful. Just one bottle of Lysol. Oh, my precious. I, I am like, you know, we, we, we keep, we guard what has value to us. How well do we guard the things that don't have value to us? How many of you have a story about you going to college or getting married or something and your parents threw out something that mattered to you but didn't matter to them? You know, I mean, we... Now, I don't have a problem because my mom keeps everything. I can't find stuff, but it's there. You, you know, we, we keep things that matter to us. We don't protect things that don't matter to us. Why is the Honus Wagner the most valuable baseball card in the world, Tom? Why aren't there many of them? And nobody thought, I should keep this thing that's in my pack of... <laughs> tobacco, right? In fact, it probably got rolled up and burnt. Uh, 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 I've exhausted my knowledge of baseball cards. Um, Willie Mays, right? Willie Mays was the 20s? No, he's after the 20s. So he's the 60s, right? Willie Mays's card, that's the one I'm thinking of, because the 20s are Babe Ruth and, and uh, uh, the guy, Lou Gehrig and them the 30s. Uh, Willie Mays' cards, my dad had like six of them. And he stuck them in his bicycle spokes to make his bike sound like a motorcycle. I mean, that's what you did with baseball cards in his day. Um, now, I have about roughly 987 million glossy hockey and football cards from the 1990s that are utterly and completely worthless. Because they made so many of them. Everybody was guarding them. Everybody was protecting them, hoping they would get value. But you don't guard something so that it gets value. You guard something that has value. And so when we are commanded in the scriptures, um, we're commanded in, the, in Exodus chapter 30 to, to guard the Sabbath, it is a command to us to remember what's important. To place a priority on knowing the, and the relationship we have with our Creator. See, rest is not just something that's good for us. It's something that is sacred, should be sacred to us because it was entrusted to us by our God. It's not just that rest relieves stress. It's not just that the Sabbath, taking a day off, 
taking a vacation, letting things settle, it's not just that it's good common sense. It's that we're commanded to do it because if we barrel on head first all the time, never take a moment, never pause, we forget the one who put us here in the first place. This is one of the reasons why Bedford Road is not a full-bore head barreling down the highway with laser shows and lights and clouds and fog machines, worship experience. But rather it is an opportunity for us to, to come in where we are and if we need to rest before we worship, we rest. If we, we need to recenter. It's one of the reasons why we, we were so excited about incorporating the Lord's table into every worship gathering of Bedford Road. And, it, and if you're new to Bedford Road, it may be surprising that, that a, a Baptist church, lowercase b, um, a, a Baptist church observes the, the Lord's table every single week. But the reason we do it is that worship is not about us barreling ahead and singing more songs. It's not even about the awesome and impressive pastor. It is, it is about, in his own mind, um, the, it, is, it is about... And if you're visiting, I am the pastor, so I'm talking about myself. I'm not picking on somebody that's not here. I just want to make that clear. Um, the, just to throw that disclaimer, you should have heard what this kid said about the pastor. Um, I don't know if I count as a kid anymore. Um, it is not about this, this full steam ahead barreling thing. It's not about always having something going all of the time. Sometimes we have to rest. Sometimes we have to slow down and remember our Creator. Sometimes we need to let the land rest. And when we let it rest, when we let ourselves rest, isn't it extraordinary how it changes our perspective when we come out of the rest into the task again? Let it breathe. Let it, let it rest and we all have different ways of doing it. I'm not telling you the Bible says there's only one way to rest. But if we don't, if we don't find that, what do we lose out? We, we, we may violate, we may find ourselves in our mad rush to live our Christian lives to be losing our perspective on the one who wants to know us and who sanctifies us in the first place. And so you can take whatever application you want out of that, but I just want us to, to, as we're considering this, as we're talking about it, what does it mean for us from the Bible to rest? And what does it mean for us when we look around in the world? How many of you have taken a break from the news for a couple of days and then gone back and said, I'm moving to an island in the North Atlantic? It, it is, it's so crazy when you re-inject yourself into it after you've had a rest and you just go, oh man, we can't rest all the time, but we do need to rest. We are called to work and we're called to work hard six days out of seven, several weeks and then a west, the land and all that stuff. We're, we're commanded to work hard, but we're also to commanded to rest so that we might remember our creator. We're called to rest to keep that rest, to guard it, to value it, to make a priority of it. Uh, I'm not preaching at you. Um, you guys that know me know that I need to be reminded of this as much as anyone else. 
that rest is super important. Join me in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, you move us forward and you also hold us back. You teach us and then you give us space to learn. You shake us and you also embrace us. In all aspects, you are our God. And we remember, we guard, we keep that which allows us to know you, to feel you walking with us. So often you told the people of Israel that you were in their midst. And you are here in our midst. You are present in our homes and our, our workplaces and Help us to honor and remember you. God, may your glory be manifest in us. And may we at times rest to allow it to shine. That we might see you. That others might see you. And glorify you, our Father in heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us the gifts that you give us. The rest of the Sabbath, your Son, Jesus Christ, the revealed Word of God and your Holy Spirit at work in us. Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Our lives are yours. May we live them for your name. We pray this all, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace forever. Go in peace, my brothers and sisters.